wanna know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads webcast, brought to you by Trio 4 Productions, the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics and AlmostHeavenAthletics.com. Here today to bring you our second basketball update of the 2018 West Virginia men's basketball season. Going to discuss the Myrtle Beach Invitational Tournament and the three games involved there, as well as look ahead and preview the upcoming game this weekend against Valparaiso. I'm joined here by... Justin Eller, who writes and covers WV basketball for almostheavenathletics.com. How's it going, Justin? Going all right. How about you? Uh, not bad. And we also were joined by another uh, one of the uh, members of the Almost Heaven Athletics team that covers Mountaineer basketball in, Stephen Vestal. What's going on, Stephen? Not a whole lot. How you doing, brother? Uh, doing real good, fellas. All right, so um, let's talk some Mountaineer basketball, boys. All right, let's uh, talk first about the West Virginia Mountaineers uh, debut game of the Myrtle Beach Invitational Tournament against the Monmouth Hawks. Uh, West Virginia defeated Monmouth 71-53, to and that put the Mountaineers at 1-1 one one overall on the season. Um, any opening thoughts on this uh, first game of the season, Justin? Uh, nah, I mean, we played pretty pretty poorly until about the last five or ten minutes ago in the second half. Um, still had the same type of issues, turning the ball over. Uh, shooting too many jump shots, not making enough shots. Um, didn't really look like we were that much improved from the game before, so um, not much really to say there. We kind of improved that later on in the tournament, that last game. But uh, Monmouth game, it was just kind of a game we expected to win, and we pulled away at the end. So and that's all I really got on, on the Monmouth matchup. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. It was uh, close at the beginning, and then West Virginia finally tightened up some defense on the end, it seemed like. Um, any opening thoughts for you on this one, Steven, you want to add? Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Uh, I thought it was a you know poor effort all the way around the whole the whole game up until like the last five minutes, I guess, if you can count what we did on defense. Um, offensively, it just doesn't look like anybody is – on the same page, they don't act like that they're enthusiastic about the game the way that you know you would think that this team coming in the, into the season at number thirteen should play, and I didn't see that out of any of them. Uh, the Monmouth game we should have won. Uh, they're they're zero and four or were zero and four after that game. Um, I don't, I just don't see how we play that that poor against a team like that. Yeah, I agree. I was uh, really nervous, especially in the early going in this game in the first half. Because uh, turnovers was a big issue, and um, it's it's been that way for most of the season, you know, up until the most recent game. Turnovers have been a really big issue. But uh, especially in that Monmouth game, you know, some of the things that stood out to me was um, Issa Maud had five turnovers versus only two assists, and I think he had six or seven turnovers in the first game of the season for the Mountaineers. So, Looks like a, a definite problem for him. And then Lamont West had zero points in the game against Monmouth, and he's the guy that the Mountaineers really need to score. Um, anything that stood out uh, to either one of you guys um, in this one? Uh, start with you, Justin. No, like I said, it was just pretty much an average game. Uh, nothing really exciting happened. Um, I mean, that same struggles were going on that we had against Buffalo. So, um Ain't really much to say about the Monmouth game. I'm just glad we came out with a win. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. At least, uh, at least it wasn't uh, wasn't a total loss as the Mountaineers, you know, did look a little better in the late in the second half there. Uh, Steven, anything that stuck out to you about this game you want to um, address before we move on to uh, the next one? Um, I wouldn't really say specifically for this game, but um, it sticks out to me in pretty much every game and the amount of turnovers that we just seem to want to give the other team. Uh, we, you know, pride ourselves, you know, in previous years, not really so much this year, um, on getting turnovers. And it seems like this year we're giving all of those ones that we took away right back to, you know, the teams that we're playing this year. So, yeah, the, the turnovers really kind of jump out at me. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's an that's, that's every game. That's not just in the Marmot game. Right, right. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, it's an issue that needs uh, needs fixed going forward, I do believe. But um, the Mountaineers got the win there, though, against Monmouth and then moved on to play in the semifinals of the Myrtle Beach Invitational Tournament where they took on Western Kentucky. And we'll go ahead and jump on and talk about that game a little bit now. That game happened on Friday. And um, it resulted in a victory by Western Kentucky by a score of 63-57. to And that dropped West Virginia to 1-2 and on the season. Um, opening thoughts that you uh, you guys took away from the game against Western Kentucky. Uh, what do you think, Justin? Um, our leading scorer was Asa Amali with 12 points. That's not going to cut it. <clears throat> that's, uh, that's what stuck out to me the most is we couldn't have a guy score more than 12 points. Um, I'm sitting here looking at the box score was 18 of 54 from the field that's 33 percent 6 of 25 from three you know if you're not making three pointers you don't need to be shooting 25 a game mm-hmm. i mean we're 24 percent from the line and uh just committing fouls man we put western kentucky on the line 34 times so you let a team shoot 34 free throws that's not going to get it done either and then 22 total turnovers uh, opposed to 13 that we forced uh, I mean, we did okay rebounding. We out-rebounded them by nine rebounds. So, we did good there, but just turnovers and not being able to score the ball for shooting. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, turnovers, you know, seemed like the uh, main issue going going through this uh, Myrtle Beach Invitational Tournament for the Mountaineers. Uh, Steven, anything you want to add to that? Uh, opening thoughts about the loss to Western Kentucky? Uh, no, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think, like I pointed out before, the turnovers, the turnovers is really what is, uh, I think, plaguing this team this year. And that's, I think, the biggest reason you're seeing them lose these early season matchups with uh, your kind of lower level teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, looking into it more, uh, um, getting into some of the details, Western Kentucky had three players that each had four steals in Hollingsworth, Anderson, and Savage. And then uh, Bassey, who was a big recruit there for Western Kentucky, had 13 points and 15 rebounds and really outplayed Kanate, who only had five points and six rebounds in the game and to go along with four fouls. So, I mean, what do you what do you guys take away from that performance and that matchup between Bassey and Kanate that Kanate struggled and, and Bassey had such a good, uh, good uh, performance against him? Bassey had a good performance because he stayed down in the paint. Kanate, you know, we'll talk about the game last night, but um, for the most part that game, Kanate was doing what he's done first three games of the season, staying outside of the paint, and he wasn't really parked down there like he should be, which allowed Bassey to get 15 boards. And uh, Bassey played the way he's supposed to play. Kanate didn't, and that's why he won that matchup. And then on defense, you know, we had we let four guys from Western Kentucky score 10 or more points. Mm-hmm. Well, we only had two players in double figures with Bolden and Ahmad. So, um, Kanate's got to stay down low, and I think that's going to help us win games. I think that's why we won last night, and uh, I think that's why Bassey had such a good game because, I mean, if you don't have Kanate down low, we don't really have anybody else besides Kanate that's going to challenge a player like Bassey. You know, he's a five-star recruit coming out of high school, and he was top 20 player in the country. So, you got a guy that's an NBA talent, if you let him – stay down the paint longer than what you are and you don't force him to uh, commit fouls down low and just pretty much let him have the ball and get all the rebounds he's going to have for him every time yeah absolutely i i agree right with you that was kind of my thing from the um, mountaineers first two games of the tournament was kanate uh falling in love with the three ball it seemed like um steven any thoughts you want to add about the bassey and kanate matchup and how kanate somewhat struggled in this matchup against western kentucky and uh, bassey uh, I think it was just Kanate trying to do too much. Um, I don't think it was anything um, he was doing per se. It's just he, you know he took three shots from the from the perimeter and didn't make any of them. And you know we've mentioned him take, you know taking those threes this year. And while he makes some of them, I don't think that that's something that he should rely on as much as that he does. Um, I think that I think a lot of the pressures on him this year. Um, with being a leader in this team, I know last year it was kind of his moving into that role. I think he's trying to adjust to being, you know, that head for this team. I think it might be a little bit of pressure for him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I think some of these games, you're kind of seeing him uh, deal with that. But, yeah, I, I, I think that I attribute it more to him just trying to do too much instead of uh, and being. 
were talented about Bassey. Now, Bassey looked good, but like I said, uh, I think it's more Kanate's fault than Bassey. Yeah, right on. I, I agree with you there. It's just um, kind of was in his head, I think, and just didn't perform up, up to his uh, standards that he usually can. Um, looking at the uh, box score here, Chase Harler was the third leading scorer for the Mountaineers with nine points, and Lamont West only had seven points and went one of six from the three-point line, which I mentioned in the Mountaineers' first game he had zero points, and in this game he had seven points. Uh, Mountaineers get to win in the first game, but don't get to win here, so I think that uh, it kind of uh, they need a third score, and Lamont West needs to uh, to be that guy as, when he scores, uh, it shoots well and scores a lot. Uh, the Mountaineers seem to have more success as we saw last night, and that's the game I want to get into now. Um, West Virginia fell to Western Kentucky, so they were knocked out of the uh, not of the tournament, but still got to play in the uh, third place game on Sunday night against St. Joseph's. And the Mountaineers defeated St. Joseph's 97 to 90 to move to two and two on the season. And in that game, Lamont West uh, did what the Mountaineers really need him to do, as he scored a career high 27 points and hit a career high seven threes. Um, opening thoughts on this game from uh, you, Justin. What do you want to take away from this St. Joseph's game, kind of? Going into the St. Joseph's game, Kanate's 4-13 on the season from three. He did not shoot a single three-pointer against St. Joseph's. While we don't want to say he can't shoot one or two a game, um, he, we played inside-out ball. We talked about that after the Buffalo loss. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of we, we we mentioned how he, you know, if it's going to hurt the team if he's standing outside not in the paint. And we both agreed, you know, while we're all for him trying to take his game to the next level, he's got to do what helps us, and that's staying down low. And we played inside-out ball all game. Um, we kicked it down low. We had a lot of good entry passes down to Kanate and Ahmad. Um, we would we'd play post-up if the post-up wasn't there. Um, we'd kick it back out, and our shooters had step-in easy three-pointers. And that's, I think that's the type of team we're going to have to be this year to win games. You know, it's been so much on the defense the past couple of years. I don't think it's uh, so much of a defensive team anymore. We even said before the season, I think we got better shooters than what we've had in the past couple of seasons. So when you play inside-out ball and you get Kanate going down low, um, he had 15 points, nine boards. So uh, he had a couple good moves uh, falling away from the basket, you know, making points down the paint. So that kind of brings the attention from the defense down low a little bit more. And then when we kick the ball out, we got a uh, good rotation and we had uh, open shots, which really helped Lamont West score the ball. And I don't think uh, the scoring has been so much on Lamont West. I just think that uh, he's the type of player that – he needs help from our teammates to get him open where he can't really create his own shot. And if we can play inside-out ball and get the defense to crash a little bit and play kick-out ball, um, I think we're going to be a good team this year. Yeah, absolutely. That definitely helps uh, Lamont West and plays into his game and led to that uh, great performance from him. Um, Steven, what about you? Um, what are your opening th- thoughts uh, looking back at the West Virginia victory over St. Joseph's last night on uh, Sunday night? Uh, I think Justin kind of touched on it. Um, you know, we're not, we're not so much as a defensive team as we has been as we have been in years past. So I think, you know, our offense having to step up has been what's held us back in a couple of games. And you know, seeing our offense step up in this game is really what what helps us uh, push us over the threshold in this one. Uh, we shot 50 percent, like you said, Lamont West uh, shot seven for 11 for three point line. He went eight for 12 uh, for field goals. And I think, you know, with him shooting like that, we'll help him get open. And Kanate, you know, staying inside the perimeter a little bit more. I think uh, that really jumped out to me in this one. Yeah, absolutely. I think that helped uh, helped to great success. And, uh, you know, uh, Beetle Bolden didn't play in this game. Uh, still nursing a couple injuries. Hopefully he's all right for the long term. But sat out in this game, and I thought that um, in his absence, uh, Brandon Knapper filled in admirably and had uh, what would be the best game of his career up to this point probably. Um, Earlier in the season, you know, the first three uh, three games and then the uh, scrimmage game against Penn State as well, he kind of uh, had some issues with turnovers, and he seemed like he got that under wraps in this game. Um, he had nine points, five rebounds, five assists, and only had one turnover. So um, what are your guys' thoughts on how um, Napper filled in for Bolden and, well, the other, you know, the other point guards, Haley and McCabe, when they got in there as well, but uh, specifically Napper, as he had the best performance of the three. Um, starting with you, Justin, what do you think about that? Napper just seems, I think Napper seems like he's a little bit more ready than McCabe and uh, Haley. Um, like I said, we've talked about Haley a couple times. I'm not really sure what his game is 
You know, I mean, he made the start, but he didn't play much. So, but Napper, he looked like uh, he was in control. He didn't try to do too much. Um, that's what those guys are going to have to do when they get in. They, they're not necessarily our go-to guy. They just got to run the offense, make the passes, and run the plays. And if they do that, we'll be fine. But um, I like the way Napper played. Uh, our guards played pretty good for the most game. You know, we had only had 12 turnovers. Huggin said in the post game on the on the interview after the game that you know if we can turn the ball over just 12 times a game, we'll be a pretty good team. You know, I mean that's still you'd like to see them not turn it over 12 times, but I think uh, with the young guards we got, if we're only turning it over 12 or less times, you know, you gotta kind of gotta live with that. So um, it just we just made it easier on Napper by playing inside out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really the key to the game. We just made it easy on everybody else, on our guards and our shooters. We just, you know, allowed them to play their game, and uh, we just get the ball inside. Then these guys, they're uh, they'll stop turning the ball over and they'll make shots. And um, I think that's just the biggest difference. And I think that's why Napper had a good game. It's just everything was kind of simplified on offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steven, anything you want to add on uh, Napper's performance and uh, the other the other point guards maybe as well um, as they took over for Bolden when he did not play in uh, the St. Joseph's game? Uh, the only thing I really want to add is it's just uh, Brandon Napper played a great game. Uh, coming into the season, I thought Jordan McKay might have been the guy to be where Napper is right now, I guess, um, because like I pointed out, the turnovers has been an issue, and I thought McKay could have been, you know, his best attribute coming out of high school, I felt like, was his handles on the ball. And so I felt like if someone had a handle on the ball and could make passes the way he could, we might not turn the ball over as much. Uh, so coming into the season, I thought he was going to be that freshman uh, guard to come in and play that role. But it seems like uh, is going to be that guy, and he, he did a fantastic job uh, yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I felt the same way that you did, and um, kind of surprised that um, McCabe's not contributed more. But um, you know, he had a good game against um, uh, Monmouth in the opening game of the tournament, and then uh, kind of struggled the past the two most recent games. But I think he'll get it as it goes along, and I think hopefully both those guys will keep improving more and more. And West Virginia may need them to if uh, Beetle Bolden's uh, injuries don't heal up, and either one of uh, happens to be long term but um having said that you know the Mountaineers uh pulled away in the second half of this game it was close uh pretty much throughout but uh one of the star players for St. Joseph Charlie Brown fouled out in the second half and that kind of helped uh the Mountaineers to pull away I think there towards the end but either way great scoring from West Virginia in this one and uh like we said the turnovers you know uh Justin touched on it briefly earlier that uh team only had 12 turnovers, and I think that's what really helped lead to this win and um, get a third-place uh, finish in the Myrtle Beach Invitational Tournament for West Virginia. So having said that, I want to talk a little bit about the team's performance overall in the tournament. Um, you know, they scored so far this season. They've had two 90-plus games, one of them in overtime, obviously. But uh, as we saw against St. Joseph's, when the team limits their turnovers, seems like they can score a lot, and... Um, I think we touched on it briefly earlier, but I wanted to get deeper into the fact that this team may be a lot different than the previous, you know, four West Virginia basketball teams and the fact that they kind of thrive themselves on defense, but this team may thrive on scoring and shooting because we've seen last night the three ball was working and they had arguably their best game. And then we've seen, um, you know, in other games the three ball wasn't working and they really struggled to score. So um, my question to you guys is, is this a team that's, completely different as they're going to uh, use scoring instead of defense to win games and probably score some win some high-scoring affairs? And do you think it's a team that may live by the three and, and die by the three, as the old adage goes? Um, start with you, Justin. Who was going to play, what was going to work, what type of team we were going to be, and I think we figured that out last night. Um, I don't. I don't think. I don't. I personally don't think we should run the press hardly at all this year. I think it should be. I think it should be kind of in spurts. You know, kind of throw it in there, here and there, when we get a little bit of momentum. Uh, you know, I'm fine with. You know, setting up the press and just kind of lacking off, and you know, just staying with them up, up floor. But I don't think we're going to be trapping the ball and causing chaos like we have in the last year. We just don't have the speed and guard play like Javon and Dax. I mean, they can stay in front of anybody. 
you know, it didn't matter if it was Frank Mason at Kansas, you know, it didn't matter who it was, Trey Young, you know, he was one of the best players in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys could guard anyone in the nation, and unfortunately, I don't think the guys we can, we got now can do that just for the simple fact of uh, foot speed. I just don't think we can stay in front of uh, good guard play like we could in the past, and I think that's why we need to get away from the press. And I think uh, we, we definitely got better shooters this year, and I think St. Joseph matchup, I don't think it was a fluke from shooting the ball. I think we're capable of shooting the ball like we did last night, and I think that's what we're going to have to do to win games, and I'm perfectly fine with switching it up. I mean, uh, you know, Huggins, when we, we had one season, we went 13 or 19, in 2012, 2013, we went 17 and 16, missed the tournament both years, and that's when Huggins threw in the press and kind of turned this program around. And I think he's going to have to do it again with uh, with getting rid of the press and uh, just making us an offensive team. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. I think that half court defense would probably uh, serve this team better overall. Um, Stephen, what are your thoughts on the style of this team's play? And the differences that you see, and uh, do you think this is more of a scoring team than a than a defensive team, and and that's where their strength lies going forward? I do, I do think. Um, I think that it's mostly attributed, uh, credited to Huggins when, like you say, he started this press. Um, it was mainly because we didn't have shooters, and we had to turn. You know, we had to force the other team to turn the ball over, and so we would press those teams and get in their face and make them get uncomfortable. And while it's worked the past few years, you have to remember we've had players like Jonathan Holton, Nathan Adrian, uh, players who could play the inbound and, you know, make teams uncomfortable. And then you have guys like Javon Carter and Daxter Miles last year. Um, and you don't have a player like either any of those guys on this year's team. So, like you say, I think that um, Huggins has went out and recruited players that could shoot the ball better because on those teams you didn't have players that could shoot lights out uh, necessarily at any point in the season. Uh, so I think that he's really focused on getting more shooters into Morgantown. And, you know, a negative effect of that is, uh, it, you know, affects your defense like that. So I think recruiting is mainly the reason that we're seeing the press go away now because these kids aren't, you know, bred to play defense. They're more so bred to shoot. Uh, I, I'm like you. I, I think we should play more half deep, half-court defense and lay off the press a little bit because it allows teams to beat us and transition more often. Um, so, yeah, I do. I believe this is a completely different Mountaineer team than we've seen before. Absolutely. So, um, my next question is, uh, we're going to get into our players of the tournament instead of uh, players of the game here in a minute, an overall grade for the team and tournament here in a minute as well. But uh, I wanted to ask you guys if, um, you know, after a close game with Monmouth and a loss to Western Kentucky, um, everybody's uh, thoughts on how the season would turn out was pretty bleak. But um, after seeing the team's performance against St. Joseph's and seeing what they're capable of when they play uh, well and shoot well and don't turn the ball over, um, what are you guys' thoughts on the season for West Virginia? Um, Do you guys think this is a tournament team? Uh, Do you think they can compete in the Big 12? Just uh, what are your thoughts on the team's uh, capabilities this season? Uh, Justin, I'll let you go first. Um, we're predicted third preseason Big 12. I don't think uh, we're going to finish third. I think we're I think we're more the fifth, sixth, middle of the pack team. But the Big 12, you know, they get seven teams a year in the tournament. So I think we're a tournament team as long as we uh, as long as we shoot the ball well and don't turn it over. Um, I think uh, I think like Stephen just said, you know, Huggins has kind of recruited shooters, and I don't think that's uh, an accident. I think he realized that. You know, the press got us to the Sweet 16 twice. Um, you know, we, we won a lot of ball games with the press, but it kind of hurt us too because we couldn't make shots. You know, our guys were always tired, and at the end of games we had trouble closing out on offense because, you know, our guys were just gassed. You know, we would wear teams down, obviously, and they would be tired as well, but so were our guys. And, uh, I think that's just the game of college basketball anymore, especially with the rule changes and, you know, how – they're all about freedom of movement on offense now, and that's how games are officiated. I think uh, to get to the Final Four and win a championship, you have to be able to score the ball. Mm-hmm. It's not so much a defensive uh, defensive game anymore. You know, it ain't like the Big East days. You know, rough and tough. You know, they let a lot of calls go. It's not like that anymore. It's all about freedom of movement. So, I think uh, if we can shoot the ball and play inside out, and uh, Lamont West plays like he did, he don't have to score twenty seven every night. You know, we got to be realistic anyway but um i think if we just you know play the way we're supposed to play which i think is how we played yesterday 
Um, I think we're I think we'll finish fifth in the Big Twelve. That's my prediction. Um, I'd say we're probably a ten to twelve team, ten to twelve loss team, uh, maybe a couple more. But I think um, I really do. I think we're a tournament team. If we turn it around, it has to happen starting from today. Like we have to, uh, we got to really buckle down. And uh, I think if we're going to be the team that makes the tournament, we're going to have to play like we did yesterday and improve on defense. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I think that it's uh, probably looking like a middle of the middle of the road Big Big Twelve team. But like you said, that's usually a. Uh, Good for a tournament. I see them, you know, maybe they go something like 9-9 nine and nine in conference or something like that. But I think they're a team, you know, as we mentioned previously, that's going to get better as the season progresses because I think their defense is going to improve. And, you know, their shooting is just the tip of the iceberg. If they shoot well, we've seen, you know, they scored 97 points in regulation last night. So if they shoot well, the sky's the limit for as far as I think they can score with anybody if they're having a good night shooting the ball, you know, especially if, you know, one one or two players gets hot. Um, Steven, uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the team's uh, capabilities this season, um, you know, in the Big 12 and then as well as uh, being a tournament team? Uh, what do you think there? Uh, I think in the Big 12, I'm right there with you guys. I think they finish uh, somewhere in the middle of the pack there, about five, six, seven, uh, depending on how well they can turn it around in the middle of the season. I think, like you say, the offense at times is there. We have the offense. We just got to turn it around on defense and keep other people from scoring the ball. Um, personally, i i don't I don't want to. I don't. I don't know if we'll make the tournament. I think right now we're a bubble team. I think we're uh, at mm-hmm. the end of the season. We'll probably be right on the very outside looking in. Uh, we might have a, a chance to get in if we win some of these uh, games that we have against bigger competition uh, like Florida, Tennessee, Pitt. Um, some of those games could build your resume going in, into March, but uh, right now, if if they don't turn it around from the point that they have right now, I don't think that they're going to be in the tournament, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I think that they're right there on the bubble. I'm, I'm with you on that thought. Um, I think it depends on, you know, hopefully they can uh, pick up some momentum in this non-conference, and I think that uh, they could be a team that it depends on how they perform in the Big 12 tournament, kind of be on the cusp of it, and if they, you know, win a game or two in the Big 12 tournament, might get them over the hump and get them in. But um, having said that, uh, wrap up talking about the uh, Myrtle Beach Invitational Tournament. Um you know, we usually do our player of the games, but since we're recapping three games, we'll just talk uh, player of the tournament. Um, who would you select as your player of the tournament for West Virginia in the in the uh, Myrtle Beach Invitational, Justin? Mm. <clears throat> That's hard because nobody put together three good games in a row. Right. Um, I think you'd have to go with uh, Kanate, even though he had one bad game. Um, I mean, it's either him or West. I know West had one scoreless game, and then. I think, what, was it two points he scored the other game? Yeah, it was single digits. I know it was low. The only way I would go with Lamont West is simply because I think uh, with him shooting the ball that good kind of uh, helped us find what we're going to have to do in the season. So I think I'd have to go with Lamont West, even though he struggled, but he had a good game yesterday. Uh, I I think I'd go with West or Canate just because I think those two guys – are going to have to play off of each other for us to be good. And I think they both showed that if Kanate stays down low and West gets open for kickouts, I think that's our that's our game we're going to have to play. Absolutely. I can't argue with uh, either one of those selections there. Um, Steven, what are, what are your thoughts on uh, who would you select as your uh, player of the tournament? Um, I, I also picked Lamont West, uh, but my I, I picked him because he's the only standout performance of any player that I've seen in the tournament in West Virginia. Uh, in my in my eyes, yeah, I, I was um, I was flirting with picking Lamont West, but uh, I decided to go a different route, and um, I actually wanted to go with Brandon Napper just because of his performance in the most recent game. I was kind of uh, hard on him early on in the season, as I think a lot of uh, West Virginia fans were due to his. Uh, you know, how, how frequently he was turning the ball over and how loose he was with it. But he really impressed me uh, with only one turnover versus five assists um, against St. Joseph's and really helped West Virginia get that win. Also added the nine points and five rebounds. So I think that if he can be a capable backup, especially if McCabe comes along as well, it can really help West Virginia. So I think his development um, going forward is a, is a big plays a big part, and I think he played a big part in the win, especially with Beetle Bolden uh, being out for that game. So I went with Brandon Knapper. Um, 
having uh, talked about the players in the tournament now, uh, let's talk about the team's overall performance a little bit. Um, uh, I want to get a letter grade assessment from all of, all of us on the team's overall performance throughout the tournament. I'll go ahead and start this one off. I gave the team a C. Um, I flirted with a C minus or a C plus, but I think uh, went right there in the middle with just a regular C, just because uh, early in the tournament I was I thought they kind of struggled against Monmouth, and then Western Kentucky they they played decently, but uh, didn't make enough plays down the stretch, and then. I thought against St. Joseph, they really showed uh, what they're capable of scoring-wise, and that kind of brought the uh, grade up a little bit for me. And I think that um, that may have been a turning point for this team. I don't, you know, I may be a little uh, too early to say that, but I think it could be a turning point for this team that St. Joseph game, and they've kind of found maybe their identity now, and hopefully will keep improving going forward. So I went with a C grade for the team overall for their uh, performance in this tournament. Um, what about you, Justin? I'm going to go with a D. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit hard on them <clears throat> just because of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we played good one game, but that's really a tournament that we should have easily won, in my right. opinion. I think UCF was the only halfway decent team in the tournament. I mean, Western Kentucky, they got they had a couple guys who could score. But, um, you know, overall, as far as the depth uh, goes on each team, uh, Ben's play, we just we have way more than – all the teams in our tournament had, you know, we got team guys that can play. So um, I thought going into the tournament, I didn't think we was going to struggle. Um, the Monmouth game, we didn't really look good. Uh, Western Kentucky, we looked absolutely horrific. And uh, even though we beat St. Joseph, we still let a team score 90 points on us. And their best player, Charlie Brown, um, he was on the bench pretty much the whole second half. And he fouled out with seven, eight minutes left to go. So, right. you know, they, with them not having their best player the whole second half, we still allowed them to score 90 points. And while it's great we scored 97, um, we can't score 97 every game, and we're going to have to defend the ball. So um, I think we still got a lot of work, and I don't think we've came anywhere close to um, our potential of how we should how we should play and how we're capable of playing. So I'm gonna go with a D. Absolutely, I, I could see that grade for sure. Um, it's definitely a tournament where West Virginia struggled more than uh, what was expected of them. Um, Steven, what about you? Uh, what letter grade would you assess the team's performance um, in the Myrtle Beach Invitational? Uh, I guess you could say I'm kind of in the middle. I, I, I'd give them a D plus. Uh, I didn't – early in the season, uh, they, people say the Buffalo is a good team. I would agree with that. I, I think that they are a good team. But I think earlier in the season, the effort from this team, uh, I would give it an F. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, in the tournament, I guess you could say they trended upwards, but uh, the, the the overall effort of this West Virginia team, uh, if you've, as we have, watched West Virginia teams in the past, uh, this team just does not have the the, uh, the same type of attitude as those teams in the past. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, that's something that I've seen as well, is this team just doesn't seem like they have it, but, um, you know, I thought they looked more in tune uh, against St. Joseph's, and I guess, you know, maybe that performance, um, you know, brightened it up for me, and that's why I went with the higher grade, because it's more fresh in my memory, but, you know, I thought they finally looked like they were maybe more in tune that game, and so that's kind of why I gave them a little higher grade. I think they definitely still need to improve defensively, but if they keep their turnovers down, as they did in that game, they may be all right going forward, and, um, Speaking of going forward, we're going to get into the preview of the West Virginia versus Valparaiso game. But before we do that, there's another uh, one more issue I wanted to touch on, some news that came out um, prior to the tournament, and that is uh, the status of Derek Culver. Uh, we discussed it previously on the podcast, knew that he was in Coach Huggins' doghouse uh, for some things that he had been doing, you know, not necessarily on the basketball court, but more in the classroom or lack thereof. And... Um, I want to get your guys' thoughts on his status going forward. Um, do you guys think we'll ever get to see him play? You know, he could be a big part of this Mountaineer team. I think that if you know if they are going to run the press, he's a guy that could be there at the front of the press. And not to mention the athleticism he brings to the floor probably on the defensive end and also uh, rebounding and probably can score a little bit as well. You know, he's a talented guy. But um, do you guys think we're ever going to get to see him on the floor? He's suspended indefinitely now for violation of team rules. Um, do you guys think we'll see him, or do you see him, you know, the writing's on the wall that he may transfer? Um, what are your guys' thoughts on Derek Culver? Uh, Justin, we'll start with you. Um, I don't think we're going to see him, honestly. I, you know, the games he was on the bench, you know, he 
he just had his head down, just looked like he didn't care. He sat at the end of the bench, um, didn't really communicate with anybody on the team, didn't look like he wanted to be there. And uh, with everything that we got going on is trying to improve. Um, Bob Huggins does not need a distraction like that. And um, he's going to want to work with the guys that want to be there because, like Stephen said, our effort's not there as it is. So um, if our effort's not there on the court, um, Huggins isn't going to put up with any off-the-court uh, lack of effort as far as getting the class and stuff. So um, I could see him I, I could see him gone from campus at the end of the semester, and I could see him transferring. I, I think if uh, you've got a guy that's already – he's been there for two, three games – or he was, it was two games before he even um, before he got suspended. And I mean, if it if it happened that quick, I don't think we see him at all. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I tend to agree with you, uh, Stephen. What are your thoughts on the matter? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, Huggins has never been the one to put up with anything like this. He's you know pretty straightforward with everyone that he comes in contact with. Uh, he's ne- he's never you know put up with anyone that's acted like this beforehand. Right. And I don't see him starting to do it now. Uh, like he said, this, Derek hasn't. He said that Derek hasn't shown any interest in going to class. Has shown up to team meetings. Uh, he's been late for study hall. Um, all of those are big red flags. If you're playing on Coach Huggins' basketball team, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think that we'll ever see him in a Mountaineer uniform again. Sadly to say. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Coach Huggins is a guy that he's. You gotta put the work in. He doesn't care who you are, or how how however cute you are, how talented you are. You know, we've seen him uh, let players go in the past for less, and have players transfer. You know, he's got to do whatever's right for the culture of the team. And you know, I agree with that. He's gonna have to definitely make that decision. So the suspension's probably definitely warranted, and we'll see what happens moving forward. But I I agree with you guys. I think that the writing's on the wall that we probably won't get to see Derek Culver uh, play for the Mountaineers. He's more more than likely looking like a transfer uh, type situation at this point. But having said that, let's uh, look ahead now and uh, preview the upcoming game Saturday, November 24th against uh, Valparaiso at the Coliseum in Morgantown. So uh, West Virginia will take on Valparaiso in Morgantown at 2 p.m. on November 24th on Saturday in the Coliseum. Um, Valparaiso was also in the Myrtle Beach Invitational. They ended up finishing fifth in that tournament. Uh, both West Virginia and Valpo are 2-2 two and two on the season overall currently, but Valparaiso will play again before the game as they have a game scheduled for Wednesday night, and it's one that they will most likely win, so they will probably come into this thing with a winning record as opposed to West Virginia's 2-2 two and two record. Um, they lost to Wake Forest and Western Kentucky as well, You know the same Western Kentucky team that beat West Virginia, and they also beat the same Monmouth team that West Virginia beat in uh, Myrtle Beach. So uh, any opening thoughts on this matchup with Valparaiso before we get into uh, some of the personnel and the details? Uh, Justin, what are your thoughts? Um, I think we win the game. Um, there's going to be a lot of people traveling to Morgantown this weekend. That's the football team plays Friday night against Oklahoma. Um, I know the, the student section might not be too crazy because, you know, there's, they're on break this week for Thanksgiving. So um, I think the football team gets a win on Friday night. There's going to be a lot of people staying over. Mm-hmm. It's an early game, so I think we could have a good crowd there. And uh, i like us to I'd like us to come in, shoot the ball good like we did set, or yesterday on Sunday. Um, I think we carry that over. I think we play inside out again, and I think we uh, get a hopefully an easy win. I, I don't see us losing. I don't see us losing a, any more games like we have already. I think uh, I, they the team looked a little confident against St. Joseph's. Guys were jumping off the bench every time somebody shot up a three. Everybody's kind of had smiles on their face, getting a little confidence, and um, I think they're. I think they realized Sunday. Um, that if we can shoot the ball, those guys can have fun, and I, I think they're going to be ready to play. And I think we, uh, I think we start a little win streak here. Um, Steven, anything you want to add? Uh, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think that we come back home, and we win this one, uh, and keep kind of things rolling in the right direction. I don't think it's going to be a blowout win like we would hope to see against a Valparaiso uh, team. Uh, we kind of averaged about about 80 points a game, both of us as a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's all going to depend, going to depend on what um, how our defense plays, 
And if our defense plays well and our offense doesn't turn the ball over, I think uh, we can actually run away with this one and start, like what Justin said, a win streak after this one. Yeah, I tend to fall in that uh, same boat. I think it depends on a lot of uh, our guard play again and, you know, the status of Beetle Bolden going forward. Um, but looking at some of the personnel of Valparaiso, um, they have a seven foot one center that's currently leading them in scoring in Derek Smith's and they have three solid guards in Ryan Fazekas, Marcus Golder, and uh, Dion Lavender. Uh, Dion Lavender being the senior of the group, but uh, Fazekas and Golder both are six foot seven and six foot six respectively. So, uh, going to be some tough matchups for West Virginia to guard there. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on the matchups in this one? Uh, Canate having to face a seven foot one center, and also Valparaiso having three solid guards that uh, probably can uh, score some points and, and cause West Virginia defense some trouble. Um, do you think West Virginia has enough to uh, slow those guards down? And what are your guys' thoughts on Canate uh, matching up with the uh, seven foot one Smiths? Uh, Justin, let you take it first. Um, I'm not really worried about anybody that Canate's got to match up against. Um, you know, Canate he's not seven one; he's six eight. So. There's a height advantage, but Kanate, um, he's quick off the floor. He's, he can jump through the roof. He's physical. He's a lot bigger than most guys down low as far as muscle goes. So mm-hmm. not really worried about that. You know, the height that guard played for Valpo is a little bit um, concerning, but we, we got guys that we can play bigger uh, lineup. So I think you might see Haley play a little bit more if uh, those guys start to take take advantage of our six-foot guard. So, um, I think as long as we just don't let them shoot open shots and we rebound the ball and don't turn it over, um, I, I think we're fine as far as matchups go. Absolutely. I think I tend to fall in that uh, camp as well. Uh, Steven, what about you? What are your thoughts on uh, some of these matchups in this game? Uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't think that the Kanate Smith's matchup is going to be such a big deal. I, I look more forward to seeing the Fazekas uh, and Lamont West matchup. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be one to, uh, to watch out for because Fazekas is six foot seven. He can shoot the ball well. He's shooting at right, uh, I think about forty four percent. He's a good shooter, man. He's he's in my opinion, besides Smith, their best player uh, from one of the games that I've watched. Uh, I think that's going to be the matchup in my mind to watch out for. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. And I, I agree with uh, what uh, you said as well, Justin. You may see a lot of Haley in this game. Just, uh, if nothing else, for a pure defensive standpoint to try and slow down some of those bigger guards. But uh, speaking of guards, uh, Beetle Bolden's status, uh, obviously a concern for West Virginia going forward. Um, um, not too sure, you know, what what exactly that is. Um, I don't know if any either of you guys have a better uh grasp on if he's going to play or not. I figure that, you know, he's a tough guy, and, um, you know, with about a, almost a week um, in between games, I think that he'd probably give it a go if I was just guessing. But um, do you guys uh, know anything about his status, and do you feel like this is a game West Virginia can win even if he doesn't get to play? Uh, Justin? I haven't heard anything. Um, honestly, it's kind of – you don't want to say it's a blessing that a guy gets hurt, but it's a blessing in disguise – if he's just out for two or three games, you know, if it's just a minor injury, because mm-hmm. um, that helps our younger guards as far as experience goes. And um, us getting a win without Bolden Sunday was huge, especially for confidence of Napper, and uh, kind of helped us uh, see what he can do a little bit better um, as he got increased minutes. So um, I think we can win without Bolden, and I think um, I think it ultimately helps those guys. Um, it might not help the whole team as far as a chemistry standpoint, but I think it helps our younger guards and kind of helps us find a little bit more identity as far as bench play goes. So um, I don't know if he'll play or not. If he doesn't, I think we're still going to be fine. Um, and if he does, I, I, I think limited minutes. Um, I think he'll get limited minutes. So um, I think we'll be fine with or without him. But uh, at the same time, it's it's kind of a blessing in disguise to get these younger guys uh, – a little bit more starting experience with him sitting out. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, something those guys need for sure is uh, just experience time on the court to uh, be able to mold their game and, and improve as the season goes along. Um, Steven, anything you want to add on the injury status of uh, Beetle Bolden and uh, West Virginia's status uh, with or without him in this game? Uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't heard anything either on his current status. Uh, personally, I believe that he should sit out on Saturday. Uh, if, if you want my personal opinion, I think that he should sit out the next two, maybe three games mm-hmm. and uh, just try to give it time to heal because, you know, we're not playing anyone big. We're not playing, you know, 
anybody in conference or anything like that. It's not a big, tough out opponent until you get to Florida. Um, and like, like you know, you guys touched on, you give some of these younger guys time to adjust and adapt to the get to the college game a little bit, and it gives them time uh, to get better and mold with the team. I guess uh, I don't know what Huggins' plans are. I haven't. I've been trying to keep up with it on social media, but I can't. I can't find anything that says his current status. So I don't know what Huggins' plans are, but in my personal opinion, I think he should sit out. Yeah, I think that he's a guy that'll probably want to play, but uh, like you said, Huggins kind of plays those things close to the vest, so you may not know until right at game time what his uh, current status is. But I'm with you. I think that if it's you know in, in question in, in any way, he should probably sit out till he's you know close to 100% to not only for his benefit for the length of this season because West Virginia really needs him, but also get these other guys some experience. But uh, having said that, uh, what do you guys feel like is the key to West Virginia coming away with a victory in this game? Uh, start with you this time, Stephen. Uh, what's your key to victory? Uh, I kind of touched on it earlier. I feel like um, if we take care of the ball in this one, they'll turn it over a lot. I think that's going to be our biggest uh, biggest key in this one because, like I said, our offense is there. Uh, if we can keep our offensive possession of the ball when they have it and not turn it, you know, turn it over and give up points off of those, and we should be all right. Right on. Um, I, I tend to feel that way as well. Um, what do you think about this one, Justin? Uh, key to victory? Start from the inside and kick it to the outside. Yeah, that, that seemed to be the uh, winning formula against uh, St. Joseph's. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a thing that uh, Bob Huggins finally uh, got on to Canate for playing too much outside, but once they got inside and, uh, you know, like you said earlier, he didn't attempt any threes in that game and it was West Virginia's uh, best performance of the season offensively. Um, my key is going to be limiting turnovers. Um, you know, also in that game, West Virginia had their lowest turnover total, only turning the ball over 12 times. So I think the less times this team turns the ball over that's more opportunities for them to score and you know hopefully they uh just work through the offense more as well you know uh from what i've noticed when they you know just do one pass and a quick shot or something it's not usually successful when they work the ball around and get the best shot not necessarily the first open shot seems to uh get uh get score a lot easier and score a lot more points and i think limiting turnovers and you know running the offense properly are, are my keys in this one um so having said that and talked about the personnel and our keys to victory, um, let's get some predictions, fellas. Um, what are your guys' predictions uh, for the game and the outcome against Valparaiso on Saturday, November 24th? Uh, Justin, we'll start with you. Um, I like us to score 80-plus, and I think we win by double digits. I'd say 10 to 15 points. Right on. I like the sound of it. Um, Steven, what about you, man? Uh, I, I like to score 80 plus. I think we actually get somewhere around a uh, hundred this match. I think we might might actually top a hundred, uh, and I too think it'll be double digits. I don't think uh, I don't think that Valparaiso even reaches 80. So I think it's 20 plus. Yeah, I, I'm there with you guys. I think that it's going to be a high scoring affair. But uh, you know, looking at the uh, stats, you know Valparaiso is averaging around the same as West Virginia. Uh, their game against Monmouth was kind of similar to West Virginia, so I, I think it'll be a little bit closer. I'm going to say West Virginia, you know, gets, you know, 80 or 90, but I, I'm going to say anywhere from about a, a 10 to 15-point victory. I still say double digits, but maybe a little bit closer, and West Virginia pulls away at the end, but I agree with you guys. I got the Mountaineers winning. So, um, having said that, um, I guess we're about ready to wrap up our second basketball update of the 2018 West Virginia men's basketball season. Um, any final thoughts either one of you guys want to add, Justin or Stephen? Uh, I think Stephen made the best point of the podcast. I think Bolton's not 100%. I set him out the next three games. You know, we got Valpo, and we played Ryder, and then played Youngstown State. Those are all three games we can win without Bolton. And then that gets Bolden 100% healthy going into Florida uh, for the Jimmy V Classic. And then after that, we play Pitt, who's 5-0. and So um, I think if Bolden's in any question at all, I think you set him the next three games, let him get healthy, let these young guys get some experience. And I think that ultimately helps this team the most versus trying to get Bolden in there at 70 80%. I think uh, you get him 100% healthy, and I think we won these next three games without him. And uh, I think it helps us overall more than it does trying to put Bolton in there too quick. So um, I think that was the best point of the podcast. And uh, I think that's, if it's any question at all, I think you said Bolton these next three games. And 
just get him ready to go for these uh, tougher non-conference opponents. Yeah, absolutely right on. I think so, too. Um, a healthy Beetle Bolden is definitely a huge key to having a successful season um, long-term for West Virginia this year. So I agree there. Um, Stephen, what about you? Any final thoughts before we sign off this week? Uh, I, I don't think that I have anything new. I, like I said before, I think that my main thing with this whole team is the, the limiting turnovers. Uh, if, if they can correct that, I think they can be a completely different team than what they are now. I think that that's been their biggest problem. I think that, that if if it continues to happen, will be their biggest problem all season long. That will be the identity of this team. But, you know, as as you and Justin have said, um, if they can turn it around and they can start to uh, protect the ball a little bit more, I, I too believe that this could be another successful team. Absolutely, I think so. Uh, that that as well. Uh, limited turnovers, as as we've mentioned, you know, that's when they've had their most success is when they've not turned the ball over. That's not only possession by possession, but game by game as well. So, I think that all those are great keys for success for this Mountaineer team going forward, and hopefully they continue to improve. So, having said that, I guess we will pretty much wrap up this week's edition of the basketball preview podcast really appreciate justin eller and steven vestal for coming on they do some great work there uh covering west virginia basketball at almost heavenathletics.com go check out the website if you haven't already also check them out on twitter at a at a h athletics wv and then if you want to follow the podcast on twitter be sure and do that as well it's at wvu country roads so having said that this has been the Country Roads webcast brought to you by Trio 4 Productions, the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics and almostheavenathletics.com. For Justin Eller and Stephen Vestal, I'm Jordan Cruz, and until next time, let's go Mountaineers. Are you ready to party? Country Roads.